At the moment, 17. Mine's at Megabytes per second. And you upload? Um, about three. Oh, yeah, that, that's the problem. Um, but that's all right. Well, we'll see how we go. Um, it's just crap at the moment. I'm, I'm meant to be getting 90 downloads yeah. and 40 upload, but that's that, that, that has never happened, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Thank cool. you, Telstra. Uh, and on that note, um, welcome to the super fun, awesome, happy time, Pedal Show podcast, episode 101. Woo! Wow. <laughs> Profit triple digits. Yes, there's the fireworks and stuff again. Yay, kablamo. Yes, yes. So um, welcome to the show. Thanks uh, for tuning in, everyone out there in 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 podcast world and stuff. And um, <laughs> so, Alex, how are you doing today on this fine Thursday? All right. Just went and got coffee for us. Zoe's working at home today, so we um, went and got some guru guru coffee. Oh, you always get guru coffee. No, actually, it's usually from um, Jack. No, last time you you went, I remember last podcast because we're talking about the is it Sebastian that did with his hat is yeah yeah so <laughs> last time you went there too and um, yeah it's good actually I need to keep drinking that before it gets cold yes and, um, yes 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 yeah just um, kind of recovering from the last couple of days so I was in Brisbane for the last the couple of days yeah. Oh, I thought it was just a one night. It was uh, Tuesday night and then Wednesday matinee show. <sighs> I didn't get home till about five yesterday and afternoon. That was with Simon. Yeah, yeah. Both? Were they both with Simon? Yeah, it's the one show. It was a tech rehearsal run on the Tuesday night. <sighs> and because um, it's a brand new show, and they had to sync um, his vision stuff, so slideshows and graphics oh. on on the projector, um, and then. Plotted lights as well because it's a brand new show, so there's no light plots. So they had to plot lights for the show, and then I had to try and mix the show that the band didn't really know what they're doing yet. But yeah, they got it, got it together. So that's Simon. We talked, <laughs> mentioned Simon. It's Simon Gardner who's been on the show as well. Check out the podcast mm. with Simon because he's an amazing dude. Um, so what what's the show? What kind of show is it? What is it about? Oh, it's, oh I didn't tell you. It's called um, it's called Good Morning Guys and Vet. Dolls. <laughs> no. no. It's called Good We're Morning Vet. We're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. <laughs> Sorry, you? yeah, good, good. Well, you know, in The Simpsons when Mark yeah. Hamill is just, we're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. No, it's not that kind of show. Not, not Star Wars musical. The, no, um, okay. It's called Good Morning Vietnam and it's all um, songs from the Vietnam oh. War era. I heard so, about that, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, they did quite well. Have is a that a Q-Pack or where is that? Oh, that show in particular was at Redlands Performing Arts Centre. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, lovely theatre. It's really oh, cool. cool. And um, they've got a brand new PA system in there that for uh, maybe less than a year old. Lovely DMB rig. That was mixing okay. on. And um, yeah, took in my, my little console and mixed the show. And um, oh, it's so good working on a great PA that like so much headroom. I could have blown people out of the back of the okay. venue. Cool. So is um, that like, is that like a, are they going to tour that show? Or is that something that's at specific theatres or? Yeah, they're going to tour it. Um, there's three shows this year that okay. I could only do one of them, unfortunately. Oh, okay. And, um, but there's a whole bunch of dates next year for regional theatres and things. So they're selling it there's, as a th- theatre show. 
There's one thing that I've noticed because uh, I, I did this. I always talk about this tour. The last tour I did like nine years ago now, um, where we opened yeah. up for Liasaya. But it was an all because um, it was so different to anything else I've ever done before because it was all um, theaters. So we went. It was it was a the, it was like a you know not a theater show. It was like a like a pop rock show uh, that you know we were the opening act for Liasaya. But um, it was all theaters, and I gotta say. There's some really, really nice theatres all in a lot of places all around Australia. I never I, that's something. I, th- that's why I always talk about that tour as well because it was just so different for me because I've never experienced that world. It's usually you know dingy pubs or you know yeah, <laughs> you know that sort of stuff. Festival thing or or festival things or even or even you know rooms. some venues that are that are meant more as like like music, not theatre venues, but more like gig live gig venues you know that sort of stuff yeah. Yeah. um you know like for example the um what's the place in brisbane the um what was it called the roxy what it used to be called like places like the roxy in brisbane which was kind of like a nightclub but it was more like it was designed oh, as like, a venue like the zoo or something or the zoo places like that yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean that's where i used to always play you know places mm. like that but that yeah. was the one show one show i was involved with and we toured all over australia and we did bigger cities but we also did a lot of rural stuff and there's some really really nice um theaters Mm -hmm. with great sound um and great just visually and sound wise really good sounding in places you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be in (laughs) you know did did you ever do the um empire theater in toowoomba on that run uh i don't think we went to toowoomba no that's a Um, great theater it's been there for a long time they've refurbished it Mid nineties or something, um, okay. lovely, lovely theater. That's probably like, I don't know, seven hundred packs. It's a pretty big room. There was I. I uh, had a bit of a sort of reminiscing moment. We went to we went with my kids and my wife and family. We went uh, north here. We went to Harvey Bay for a couple of days during the school holidays a little while ago, and we stopped in uh, Maribra. Um, because I sorry, and I mean that. it's enough. Sorry, <laughs> no. It was actually quite a nice place, um, but because um, I, I my, it, it's I never knew about this, and, and I mean this is not in any way, shape, or form pedal or guitar music related. But the lady that wrote Mary Poppins is from Maryborough. All right. Did you know, did you know that? I think I may have known that. Yeah, that I, I never knew that. Yeah, right. I, she okay. at a fairly young age went to England, but she wrote. There's like a whole bunch of books in the Mary Poppins series that she wrote. She wrote them while she was still in Australia. She lived in Sydney for a while and she went to England to be like a Shakespearean actress. And But anyway, I mean, she lived in Maryborough and my kids are right into Mary Poppins. So they wanted to go and see, because you can go to the place where she was born and lived and, and you know, see stuff, you know, anyway. And we went to Maryborough and we walked, uh, we went to this park. There's quite a big park there that my kids wanted to go to and, and run around in. And um, there was this big theatre across the river, the Mary River. And I kind of went, hang on, I remember that. And I think it's called, is it called a Brolga? It may be called a Brolga. It's a, and that was, I I remember that was one of the best theatres. That's such a cool place. And it's in Maryborough. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I had this kind of, kind of flashback moment. I went, hang on. Because it's one of those things when, when, when I was doing that, that that tour went for seven, eight months or something like that. And um, I never drove. You know, it was we were taken to places, and we just arrived wherever we arrived, and so you kind of lose track of where you've been. 
Uh, and I completely forgot about going to Maryborough. Um, but yeah, that's a beautiful theatre. That was from memory. That was one of everyone, all the sound crew and everyone, uh, everyone sort of said while we were doing the show there, everyone kind of went, wow, this is a, why is this theatre here? <laughs> it should know, be right? like in, in a capital city somewhere. Um, if you anyway. don't know, Maryborough is, it's a big, it's a town. It's not a city. It's, it's kind of a decent sized town. But it's yeah. kind of, there's a bypass highway past it now. So you kind of have to go into off the highway for a little bit to get to the town. So you kind of have to go there to go there. So yeah. it's kind of become this time capsule of all sorts of reasons. Like the um, the houses all look like the same they have since 1957. And the, It's um, a pretty the town. Buildings. It is yeah. really quite a pretty town. But also and the all the pedestrian crossing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And all the pedestrian <laughs> crossing lights yeah. are Mary Poppins lights. So when it's red... There's a picture, like a silhouette of Mary Poppins standing there. Oh, and cute. green, yeah, it's nice. her flying with the umbrella. Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a but, pretty but town. It, it I, is I pretty. Like it. Well, like there's um, kind of art deco buildings downtown mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. like um, like government buildings and things and a whole bunch of great, amazing old trees. And, uh, but yeah, it's massive the kind of place trees, yeah. You have to go there to go there because it's not on the main ro road now. Yeah. Years, years you ago kind of drive past it. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, it was just one of those funny things because I, I, I kind of went, oh, Mary bro, uh, yeah. and then because my kids wanted to go and see Mary, the Mary Poppins birthplace, and um, um, the lady or whatever her name was, and yeah, but she's from Mary bro, so who, who would have known? Anyway, moving right along, back to uh, what, what are we doing? Are we are, uh, we're we an Australian tourism podcast, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, with the show, um, I did yesterday, Simon's. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what episode he was on, but um, oh, he said to say hi. By the way, oh, he said, hi Simon. And um, yeah, he, he had a cool guitar rig. He's got um, one of those Mesa Boogie uh, Mark Fives or something. Whatever the new one is that Ben had, for the combo. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Mark something or other. Yeah, just or call with the little with the EQ on it. Yeah, it's the new yeah. new, new one. Um, it's a single twelve cab combo that he has, and. Um, yeah, they, something about we were talking about um, talking about it at Soundcheck because this show, especially yesterday, it was a matinee show and it was sold as like this morning show for retirees, old people. Oh, good morning Vietnam! Yeah, yeah. It's a but it, it's most of the time morning, it's going to yeah. most of the time it's going to be an evening show where it's going to be like a, oh, a you know, good seventies, good evening 60s Vietnam rock. Yeah, good evening Vietnam. <laughs> but, um, this this one in particular was a matinee show, so. The whole time, everyone's going. It sounds good, but it might be a bit too loud. So, so I, I, I got got him to point the amp backwards across the stage, uh, yeah. just so I can have a bit in the PA and not just kill those people on the left side of the room and not hear it on the <laughs> other side. Yeah, because he cranked it a bit, but it sounded great. And um, oh, he he's such a great guitar player, and he always yeah. had great tone and, and great feel, and he's he's an and, amazing dude. And we had this little chat. There's a combination between his Les Paul, which is just like a Nice standard. I think it's a standard one. It doesn't even have a fancy flame top. Just a nice yeah, burst. Yeah, yeah. Um, Les Paul, of course, him playing it. That Les Paul and the that middle helps, channel. Yeah. yeah, the middle channel and that booger boogie. It was just like the epitome of classic Les Paul tones. It was yeah, such I mean, a lovely sound. And even he yeah. said, stopped and said, "Oh, this is really nice to play." Yeah. And I was walking yeah. around the stage with an iPad, and everyone stopped and we're like, "Oh, yeah, it's really cool." 
because there's the high gain channel again on the boogie. It just lost something. It's uh, too much, yeah. No, yeah. This kind of the mid-range thing that went away it might have been too scooped or just okay. mid-range point was in the wrong spot. And it's still like the second game channel had heaps of gain and it's definitely this rock thing. And because um, even though it, like they're playing 60s and 70s tunes, there's a couple of moments in the show where he stretches and does these kind of cool modal solos over. So he used to always, I mean, I think pops, I mentioned that. Rockland. I think I mentioned that when we talked to him in the in our podcast, but I used mm. to go and see Simon back in the days when I ju- I was just 18, 19. So when I started going out so to, in the to 50s. back in the 50s, yeah. <laughs> oh man, Simon must be old then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so this would have been this would have been in the in the mid 90s. Um, uh, they were the band that we always wanted to go and see because they were such a killer band um, mm. with um, 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 Simowski, Andrew Samowski on bass, um, who's a killer keyboard player, but he's actually a really good bass player too. Um, and just, you know, you go and watch, that's, that was always the thing, you know, you go and watch any other cover band and, you know, in those days, I don't know, they'd play, let's say, Song 2 by Blur, right? Three-chord mm. song. And every other band would just play the three chords, but then you go and see Simon do it, and he would do all these cool voicings that are sort of like um, follow the vocals to a certain degree, you know, and do all these kind mm. of weird voicings and stuff. And he just it almost sounded like a guitar in a keyboard, but like a really kind of like a, a jazz dude who knows some cool voicing chords that that follow the, the vocal melody and stuff. And he'd make it a not a three chord song, he'd make it a 24 chord song, you know? Sure, <laughs> it yeah. just be, but he, he just always, he was so good at doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. And his tone, he had, he used to use either a Rivera knucklehead, I think it was a knucklehead, a Rivera uh, combo, or then he had a triaxis. Um, and it sounded so good. He had such a good tone. And he yeah. played a PRS back in those days, and then he moved to a Strat, and then he played a, I think he had a, um, Ernie Ball Music Man that he played for a while, um, but such a great player and great sound. And I was going to ask the rest of the band, anyone else we know in the band? No, no one I knew. No? Yeah. Okay. But um, good band all up? Yeah, they're, they're good players. I'm not quite sure they had the right instruments for that show. Okay. Um, so especially the, the rhythm section. player didn't fit in. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, lead trianglist was uh, a <laughs> wow. They had a lead trianglist, and did yeah. they have a rhythm trianglist as well? Yeah, uh, yeah. Second, second triangle. <laughs> second triangle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the keys player was cool because he had a Hammond and then a piano sound, so it could kind of. So it wasn't it, it wasn't Andrew Samowski? No, it's this other guy because they worked together a lot, Andrew and. Mm. No, um, yeah, it would have been cool. But the it's more the rhythm section, the bass player and the drummer. They both had, I think they both play in like this prog rock thing with um, project with um, Simon. So okay. uh, they both had like super modern sounding gear. Like the drums were Tama Star Classic when he had like A custom cymbals. So it's like okay. super, you know, like um, dream theatery kind of setup for and a sixties sixties yeah. rock band. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and then the bass was a um, one of those Fender basses. It has active pickups and it kind of like, I think it's one that attempts to kind of get into that Music Man, yeah, Stingray kind of world. And he had those, um, those you know, those 
I forget which brand is the bases that base strings that are neon colors. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think DR may make them. Something like that. Yeah, it's not. Well, there's a couple of brands that make the neon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've seen them. Yeah. So neon all... color bass strings for a '60s Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> uh, it's interesting. They, they all played well, but it was kind of the wrong tones. Yeah. Like it's just just my aesthetic, anyway. Like, um, yeah. would have been great to have a Ludwig kit with coated heads and then a P bass through an ampeg. Yeah. And then yeah. would have covered covered everything, but um. Yeah. So I just kind of had it took me half the show to really kind of dial in the bottom end for the, the in the PA because both the um, bass guitar and the kick drum were kind of scooped. So like yeah. I wanted the the bass guitar to be more Motowny and and Beatlesy with mid mid range like more notey yeah. with less sub. But if you took the sub you out, should, then there's no no tone in that mid range to. You should send Grant. You should send Grant there. Yeah, he wouldn't be perfect. He would have been perfect for that sort of he would, stuff. Yeah. He probably knows all the songs too. From, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he plays them already. <laughs> and um, Cool. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. It was all cool. And then we, um, uh, yeah, just sort of hung out for a little bit after the show yesterday. And Oh, actually, the other cool thing was, the cool thing about these theatre things is you meet all the house guys, house techs. So ah. this guy, Jake, who's the house sound guy at the theatre, it turns out he's a guitarist in a metal band in Brisbane. And he's um he knows um Jack Hudson Hudson because um this guy Jake is a um does repairs he, um it's called like the Guitar Lab or something in Brisbane okay. and he's he said he's always done it but ever since COVID stuff he's um pushed it a bit and he's been flat out with people buying and repairing guitars and his 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 whole little workshops just taken off and so we talked about guitars and hung out for a bit too That's yeah. cool. Yeah, well, it I think it's a cool sorry, thing. About, oh, the cool thing about getting back into doing some shows and like little runs and stuff is, um, yeah, just meeting people and you realize you're not the only one nerdy into guitars and PA gear and stuff. Oh, there's well, I mean, that's that's a funny thing. I mean, and that's that's uh, I mean, there's good good sides and bad sides. There's probably you know more bad sides to this whole COVID thing, but the good side to it in a way is. I think a lot of people, I mean, musical instruments have had a renaissance like never before because mm. I know through talking, um, you know, through the guys at Music Shop here at Music at Noosa where I teach, uh, it's really hard to get any gear uh, because everyone's out of it because everyone, it, there's so much demand for it. And I, I actually just emailed um, uh, uh, Jürgen, the guy from uh, the CEO of Engel who I met at 42 Gear Street. Because I, I remembered it was, I don't know, early in the year that he said he's going to send us an amp. And I sort of said, oh, any any idea on when it's coming? And he sort of said, oh, I'm really, really sorry. They've basically had, they can't keep up with demand at the moment. Yeah, cool. Uh, so, I mean, these are, these are expensive handmade German amplifiers and they're still all made in Germany. So everything is made by angle is made in Germany. And he was sort of saying they can't keep up with the demand because I think they can't have um, where they make the stuff. They can't have all the stuff there at once, so they kind of got to alternate staff, right. and they just can't keep up with the demand. And, and you know, it, I think it's a, that's one of the really good. I mean, I'm doing air quotation marks here. Good things about this whole COVID thing is that I think we went. Um, just before the whole COVID thing, we went through this um, phase where I think things like 
real instruments, things like guitars and, and you know, the actually sales went down and they were talking about, you know, is this the end of guitar? You know, there were people actually, there's articles about that, you know, is the guitar mm. dying as an instrument? Oh, that's been happening but I think since be- the 90s there. <laughs> Well, it's been happening. So, yeah, but I mean, it's sort of gradually, but it, it's really been the last few years, it's been really, and I mean, yeah. especially if you listen to music, a lot of music, it's all, look, you know, popular music. It's all stuff you can do on the laptop, basically. But I think this whole COVID thing, it sees an explosion in instruments because people want to learn an instrument. And I think I mentioned this in a podcast before that I'm, I'm hoping after all this, we'll see, or next year maybe sometime, we'll see an explosion of new creative, new interesting things mm. done with all these instruments. So I, I think it's great, and you can, you know, and you can see a lot of people um, um, that, and I mean, I'm including myself in this. I I, I gigged three, four nights a week, uh, and I did that for twenty years, just about right. And I never really had a chance to stop and breathe and go. Do I really want to do this? But because of COVID, I had to stop. And it gave me a kind of, you know, you kind of got to start thinking, is is this something I really want to do? And, you know, like guys like Brad, you know, who uh, is going to be on a podcast soon, um, a friend of ours, and uh, this guy you met, you know, they get into repair and they go, you know what, I actually really like doing this. Maybe the other stuff I've been doing I don't like as much. But, you know, you find something that you may actually like doing even more because you start doing You have all this spare time. You start doing it mm. and you go, you know what, actually I quite like this. Maybe I should pursue this more as a job. And what I've been doing as a job and I thought I enjoy, I actually kind of now go, you know what, maybe I don't enjoy it that much and maybe I don't do it anymore. So anyway, that's just my yeah. sort of thoughts that well, that's hopefully it's – yeah, sorry, guy. Like, that's a thing of like you get into something because you like it, but then if it becomes a job, then you don't really yeah. like it anymore. So I guess you find that balance of obviously music's what we're talking about, but anything remotely anything, creative yeah. or type type of thing you do because you're passionate about it, whether it's I guess anything creative, umbrella, um, art, yeah. design, yeah, yeah, yeah. architecture, yeah. whatever it is. Um, yeah, if, if that becomes a chore and a job and something you, you kind of chore, like it feels like a chore to go to work to every day, then maybe that's not your, yeah, maybe you should back off on it so it does become a fun thing again and enjoyable. But then yeah. there's also ba- balance of paying bills and putting food on the yeah, table. Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Yeah. No, but see, I think I think with me the thing was, and I mean, I still enjoy gigging. You know, I still enjoy going and playing gigs and doing all that stuff. But um, I don't think I would want to do it three, four nights a week. And I think, um, um, you you know, when you – because, I mean, basically, I mean, the, what I've been doing before this whole COVID thing, you know – I, I basically I would teach guitar two days a week. I would gig three, four nights a week. Um, then I would do videos the rest of the time. And you don't have time to actually think. You're just in this routine. Yeah. And you, I think a lot of people, I'm just including myself in this, or mainly me. I'm just talking about me. Let's say um, <laughs> I don't think I actually had the time to sort of sit back and go, is this actually really what I want to do? You know what I mean? Because you're mm. just in that. You just—it's like a snowball thing. You're just rolling down a hill. You've got all these gigs. You're kind of going, okay, cool. I'm working. That's great. You know, I'm, I'm making a living out of this. This is fantastic. But I think it takes something where you're forced to not do it, to kind of sit back and go, oh, you know what? Actually, 
I'd much rather be home on a Saturday night and have watch movies with the kids than go to a gig. Yeah. Uh, maybe I won't gig three, four nights a week, even when go, things go back to normal. You know, and you try to find other alternatives to to do things that make you kind of happy. Yeah, I've noticed that same thing with a few sort of um, friends of mine recently, like uh, Andrea, who has Kerman. now. Yeah. Yeah. She, she should come has, on the podcast sometime too. Yeah, it'd be great. I think she'd be great. Um, just from an observation point of view, I'm not sure how she's doing, you know, that's sort of her business, but seems yeah. like her business side is going really well because she is really good at adapting her, what she does to suit the environment that's happening in the world. So yeah. she's um, puts on these live stream concerts and got myself to mix the sound going to the live stream and then got a filmmaker guy to shoot it properly and have video switching and um, proper lighting and there's a gorgeous stage that she's made happen. and um, Very living room looking. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And oh, did, did you see the, any of that stream? That one uh, little bits of it, yeah. Yeah, little bits of did, it. Did you notice a big curtain around the stage? Like there looks yeah, like yeah. a 1920s kind of theatre-y thing. Yeah. So it turns it turns out you can buy them. That's brand new, and you can buy them off eBay from China. Okay. And and they're like gorgeous. Like it's all actually proper stuff. There's like these little tassels and everything. Because it's like a reddish sort of curtain, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And um, it's, it's like something you see in Paris with dancing girls and you know, <laughs> mouge kind of thing. But um, yeah. Anyway. Maybe 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 after hours you don't know what happens in in that place. So. True. <laughs> happens in, in Nambour, stays in Nambour. Well, yeah, okay. well, well, yeah, please. <laughs> like her and another friend, do you know Nadia Sunday? Possibly. I know a Nadia. I don't know if that's the Nadia, but. She's um down on the Gold Coast way. But I don't know. There used no, to be a Nadia up here that played gigs and stuff. Okay. Might be yeah. a different one. Um, she does a lot of um, kids' music. So, okay. uh, especially this week in Australia, in schools, I'm sure you know, this, it's been book week. So yeah, they yeah. Tomorrow, really... my kids are going dressed up as and as their favourite book characters, and one of them is going as Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, Nadia does this things like um, she goes into schools and um, she she had a picture on Facebook uh, a day or two ago of her. She set up this big like. Um, cool like picnic rug for the grade ones for little kids and had like these cool suitcases with all these sort of characters and she dresses up like this whimsical um kind of like a character out of um uh alice in wonderland or something alice in wonderland thank you yeah Yeah. and um and she sells like like her performing the music that way and does like those kind of things so um obviously that's quite a, a niche kind of thing and needs a uh, the right person to go and make kids' music. But yeah. that works for them and it's not just doing what everyone else is doing and being kind of creative with how you sell it and how you approach making mm, music. Absolutely. Creative, creative, creativity. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, because that whole thing of, I know I've talked about this, but like the, you know, the, the cop concept of, Putting out a single and getting an EP and then getting signed to a record label and you become famous. Yeah. That's that's that was gone fifteen years ago, let alone yeah COVID yeah. times. Yeah. So. Yeah, you've got to make do with what you can. Uh, yeah. Well, I've got I've got friends down in 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 Victoria, um, 
uh, uh, I, I talk about him every once in a while, Damien, um, mm. um, Damien Young, and who uh, used to run Pony Music down in Melbourne, down in Hallam, I think it is. And yeah. um, he did now. I, did I tell you my grandparents used to live in Hallam for forever? Oh, really? Okay. Well, there yeah, you go. Yeah, I know Hallam, yeah. Yeah. So they Probably. used to. It, there's a studio. It's back there again. I think it's different owners now, but he's still in their pony music, the studio. And um, his partner Rachel, she does a thing called Little Feet Music, which my kids actually loved when they were little. Um, mm. Which is kids music, and she does. Um, and Damien does it because Damien is a he. He does. So Damien is a guy. And again, this is going back to the Leo Sayer thing. Damien is Leo Sayer's uh, production guy. So he does his front of house stuff and. Um, he's done a lot of um, uh, uh, tour managing and production and all that sort of stuff um, over the years. And uh, so that's how I know him. And um, he's a bass player originally, Damien. Okay. And so quite often they'll play together and they have like a, a someone dressed up as a bear on stage mm-hmm. and Damien will be in a big hat, like a yellow top hat playing bass. And But yeah, uh, it's funny because I get sometimes I get a message from – from Rachel saying, um, "Oh man, it's it's uh, it's getting dark, and I'm still not home from a gig." <laughs> not gonna go. What? I go to gigs when it gets dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Because it's all kid stuff she does during the day, and she, yeah, she complains. Oh man, I can't believe it's dark, and when I'm getting home. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, check out Little Fit Music. It's really cool. It's um, they actually recorded one of their albums. They went to um, I think they went to Nashville. And used a lot of high-end Nashville session dudes um, to yeah, play cool. on it. Um, yeah, it's it's the idea behind it is kids' music, uh, but uh, really well recorded and done in a way where it doesn't annoy the parents too much by listening to it <laughs> over and over and over and over again. Yeah, because yeah. it's sort of kids' music, but played in a way that adults will. I mean, lyrically, it's for kids, but maybe musically that adults can listen to it as well, not like some other stuff mm. that just drives you absolutely nuts after hearing it twice. Yeah, sure. So, um, nice. Cool. All right, so that's that. So that that was only about half an hour on uh, how are you, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, so what's new with us? We should quickly say um, what we've been doing and what's new. Mm. And what's coming up? So, uh, anything new and exciting for you that arrived, Alex? Because I've got tons of stuff, but let's start with you. No. Okay, let's move on to me. <laughs> uh, I, so I, we, I, I am. I'm saving to. I'm saving my dollars. I have this. You won't be interested because it's to do with PAs, but. Oh, I'm totally. Gonna, I'm going to try and. <laughs> I'm going to try and expand my empire. And, um, Your I empire. Have, yes. No, wait, sorry. I'm going to try and start an empire. <laughs> okay. You have to start one before you can expand it, don't you? You've got to start it first, yes. Yeah. No, have you, we have, can talk, have you talk about that yet? another time because you, you don't like. No, no, talk, go, go, go. Talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> uh, I just Let have the this, world know. I have this plan of um, I want to get into some line array PA systems. Ooh. Which is, um, if you don't know, it's bigger long throw type PA systems. It's like well they're the ones usually that hang off the roof when you yes. go to concerts and they're sort of yeah. in a in a kind of a what would you call it like a coney shape. A coney? Coney? 
No, but you know, they're, they're just sort of they're usually like a sort of yeah. They're, they're, I know. Anyway, they're hanging off the ceiling. C- curved array of curved cool. array. Yes. Uh, yeah. So basically, you end up with like these like short but wide speaker modules, and you stack them up to get either coverage like across like um, across a field or coverage um, say vertically through a theater space if you've got raked seating and stuff. Yeah. So you have yeah. speakers po- you don't just have speakers pointing in one direction, you have speakers pointing in multiple directions to cover bigger area. Mm. Yeah. And each one each module will have a coverage of about usually it's like a hundred or hundred and ten degrees wide horizontally. But they're okay. only quite quite narrow vertically. So usually it's like about fifteen degrees. So they're okay. quite na- narrow throw. And then yeah. when you get stack a whole bunch together, then you get this kind of wall of projection. And that's how you yeah. get throw outside, like if outside events, that's how you get projection to cover a field. So, liner, so does that mean you have to get all like trusses for that? And um, Possibly if you're going to th- like fly it by itself, you can get crank towers and things. Like you cool. could get, you could train pigeons. <laughs> a lot of pigeons. <laughs> yeah, that just sort of fly there. Hummingbirds. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can fly standing still, yeah. <laughs> like, like a whole bunch of balloons, like up. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. They carried a house, so carry some speakers. <laughs> Unless it's windy and then the speakers just go down the paddock. And they just fly down the, the rear, yeah. Cross the road. <laughs> but, um, no, you've got, all the, you've got the one cable that's plugged into it that holds it. Oh, yeah. Speaker cable hold it down. The one speaker cable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, great idea. Let's do that. Thanks. Load, load-bearing balloons. Yes. Or pigeons. Because with the pigeons, pigeons, then with little electrical shocks, you can make them fly in different directions. <laughs> <laughs> Electro shock theory. Yeah. No, yeah. oh, great, great. You're ideas. welcome. <laughs> I, I, shall, I shall write them down right after we finish this, probably. Please do, please do, please do. Yeah. No, that's cool. So, because uh, uh, there aren't, is there anyone else on the coast that does this sort of stuff? Only one other company, yeah. Okay. So there's a bit of a gap in the market for that because otherwise it all has to come from Brisbane. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I think, I think there's enough events on and, Except for you know the last few months, but I think there's enough sort of stuff happening around the area that is, can justify another bigger system. Oh, cool! But it, it will be tens of thousands of money. Ah. So um, yeah. So the, the do, do, do you need all your internal organs? <laughs> um, vital <laughs> ones. I'll sell a few. Or or external. They can be external organs. <laughs> Um, oh, no, but that's cool. That's cool. That's um, that's definitely interesting. Um, so, and then yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with that. Whether it's like um, um, storage and warehousing, and some kind of oh at the yeah, moment, yeah, um, doing and a semi trailer. Yeah, um, I'm doing some numbers and working out stuff at the moment, like how big I want to go and how much I can afford to go and. What's the returns you get on your investment and all that kind of businessy crap? Yeah, that's cool. So, but you know, yeah. once you start an empire, mm-hmm. you have to start wearing gold chains and stuff. Already, ha- well, one step ahead, even. Oh, you're you're already wearing the gold chain. <laughs> yeah, only and only a gold rings in bed. and stuff. Only not in bed. In bed. <laughs> only only in bed, gold chains. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, okay, Good. well, back to back to um, cool stuff, uh, guitar stuff. 
<laughs> so we had, a bu- we, had a, we had a bunch of stuff arrive. Yeah. Um, we, actually, one of the things that arrived, I can see next to you on the chair there, um, it's the uh, Captor X, the oh, other side on. on the chair. Yeah. The Captor X by Two Notes. So the good folks at Two Notes sent us one of those. Uh, we did a video on it, and it will most likely live at Alex's place um, and be in all of our um, videos, basically, as a, you know, we're probably still going to have the normal, the actual speaker cabinet mic'd up, but then use that alongside it. So you haven't really had that much experience with two-note stuff, Alex. You've had a little bit just of what the stuff I brought along. Yeah, a little bit. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on it? First of all, this thing's built really nicely. I've just been looking at it. Build quality is great on two-note stuff. You can yeah. hear that quality, ready? Oh, Come yes. in. <laughs> like even just all how the XLRs are mounted and the switches and it's, it's all actually proper, proper. Guillaume, I, I, I was very lucky last year at 42 Gear Street to meet Guillaume, the, the man mm. behind Two Notes. Um, Mr. Notes. Eh, Mr. Mr. Le, Le Note. Um, <laughs> Guillaume Le Note. Um, oh, it's, his name is actually Guillaume Note Note. But instead of no. calling it Note Note, he called it Two Notes. <laughs> so nice, yeah. he named it twice. Not funny. Um, nope. He um, uh, genuinely wants to make good quality stuff. He mm. doesn't. He, you know, we were talk. We were talking a bit, and he's a, he's a really nice dude. And um, I mean, I did a video with him. I'll put a vi- the video I did with him in the in the show notes below. below. Um, where um, I was talking to him about it was it was funny because it was I think I mentioned this on the podcast once before but um, it was the day before the first day of Forty Two Gear Street uh, and we were there setting helping setting up I mean, I mean this was the original Forty Two Gear Street so things were un- there was a lot of unknowns right so we were there the day before and we were help we helped Henning and um, uh, Tonio and Robin and all those guys that were sort of the helpers. Um, who were absolutely awesome, actually. Uh, anyway, we helped them sort of set everything up. And then um, Henning, basically, we, we were doing stuff and he was showing us how to do how to use the live switcher and stuff. And then Henning sort of said, okay, Gabor, Guillaume, go and do a video. <laughs> and Guillaume literally just arrived. He just drove up and walked in and, and he just came in and said, oh, Henning, how are you? Or I guess he's French, so Enning, how are you? You know, they can't pronounce H's. <laughs> anyway, um, and they were saying, hey, and he literally was there two minutes. And then um, Henning said, okay, you and Gabor, go and do a video, you know, to test everything. And sure. I think Mike uh, um, from um, CGS, Mike, um, did the switching. So it was one of those things like not prepared, no idea what to talk about. And we were literally sitting... Uh, we're sitting there. They were pointing all the cameras at us and kind of went, okay, go. And I looked at Guillaume and we said, what, so what are we going to talk about? <laughs> what are we doing here? And there was a Cab M there. And I said, well, okay, I haven't actually checked out the Cab M. Let's just do. Let's just check out the Cab M, right, the, the sort of pedal-sized um, thing. So we talked about that, but then it went into completely different things. So I'll put the video. It was almost like a podcast, basically, with Guillaume. I'll put the link to that in the, in the description below. But if I got anything out of Guillaume, he just – he – the stuff he built, it's because he he kind of builds what he wants. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, cool. It's yeah. stuff he would like to use. 
and he gets it made and um, very smart guy and he does not like to skimp on quality. He wants it to be as good as it can be. And cool. you know, and the stuff, the, his stuff is 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 fantastic. I'm a massive fan. Yeah, like the um, just the IO, the ins and outs on this unit. It's like you would you'd see this on high end studio gear and these kind yeah. of um, this type of XLR connectors and the, all the switching and it's actually um really tidy. So yeah. um, and it's great that. People have those ambitions, especially in yeah. this kind of world where it's just so easy to go, oh, yeah, just put the non-nitric XLRs in it to save. Just so we make a little bit more two, of a profit, yeah. 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 Now, sure he's, he's very keen. And that's one of the things as well, um, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of this talk on YouTube about, um, oh, not, a, not just on YouTube, I mean, there's a lot of talk about people that do YouTube that you know they just say um you know you know like guillaume you know sends us something and you know he pays us to say it's good but um look i can i know there's a lot of other people like that as well but i can definitely speak on behalf of guillaume is that he wants he sends this to the youtubers for us to use it and to tell him what we don't like about it so he can make a product that's better and i mean the capture x <laughs> i think ultimately came out of um, people saying what they liked and didn't like about the Torpedo Live because I think it sort of the takes over from the Torpedo Live. Yeah. Because um, it basically has the same capabilities as the Torpedo Live, just you have stereo outs. So that was, you know, one of the things everyone said is we want, instead of having a TRS um, uh, jack output, we want XLR output. Because, I mean, if you're going direct into PA, may as well have an XLR output. Mm. Uh, we want stereo, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And that's what... Uh, especially YouTubers said to him um, and then he makes it. So he he wants constructive criticism on his stuff because he wants it so he knows what he can make better, you know. So yeah, anyway, cool. uh, so but all up, so other than the quality sound-wise, how did you like it? Yeah, it's cool. I think uh, for this one, one of the big pluses is the reverbs. They're just so smooth and cool. There's um, uh, I can't remember on the other models. Can you do the ambience or reverb type switch? No. So that's a new thing for this model. Yeah. Cool. So, so it was only room on all the other ones. So the, none of the other yeah. that that reverb thing is new. Yeah. Cool. It's um. So basically, what you can do is instead of having the Reverb sound as part of your sort of like a speaker in a room, you can actually add it as a reverb sound. Yeah. I guess probably post or whatever it is. And, um, well, I think so that's what that, been a type of reverb on it. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people were saying is that they would, uh, you know, maybe have an effects loop or something that you can insert. Um, so, you know, if you're sending something to a PA system, so you have, you can have reverb. And I think that's why he went with that. And they did this sort of stereo out. So you have a stereo reverb as well. Yeah, and the reverbs are great. They sounded really cool. Yeah, they're really properly good. The um, and some of the spaces are kind of unusual, like the um, tiled rooms and the the bathroom. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, so it's it's cool. You're getting like sounds that you'd probably never used before, and you might step out of your typical plate spring hall reverbs because um, what was I going with this? 
No. Uh, oh yeah, because uh, like even if you've got a multi reverb pedal, like a name a brand, Big Sky, Big Sky, you probably don't have a tiled bathroom or that <laughs> those or a crypt yeah. crypt setting. Crypt so or the loft, yeah, yeah, loft, yeah. So the um, it's kind of unique sounds, even that they're great, but it's something new, which is great. Not yeah. just having the hall reverb and the spring reverb and the plate reverb. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm I'm a fan. So uh, there'll, there'll be there's a video. We filmed a video, so that's coming out um, soonish, and uh, probably I guess next week sometime. And um, then we will from now on pretty much use it in in most of our demo videos. We'll um, as a sort of added sound source on top of the the mic'd up speaker. Uh, what else is new? Ah, okay. So. Um, very exciting. Uh, I had a guitar arrive. The um, Fano Omnis MG6. Ooh. So, Alex, you had a chance to play it um, mm. early in the yes. week when we filmed videos. What, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it seems cool. The um, next lovely. It is. It, it reminds me a lot. Um, because that's it's funny. A lot of people asked about that. You know, does it feel cheap? Uh, what does the neck feel like? So mm. to me, the neck reminded me instantly, almost, of the Squire J Maskis neck, which is one of my good. absolute favorite necks. I was thinking the same um, thing, actually. Yeah, it is a similar sort of feel, similar shape, and a similar kind of the finish as well. It's that sort of. Is it? I don't know if it's a satin finish or an oiled finish, or I'm not quite sure what it is. But it's a mm. it's a very smooth finish. And it just reminded me a lot of that neck, which was instantly I kind of went, "Ooh, I dig that." Um, yeah. When the guitar That's first cool. came. So, so in terms of, does it feel cheap to you? Does it feel like a cheap guitar, or does it feel like a, does it feel like a fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred dollar Australian guitar? I think in nine hundred US. Probably feels a bit more expensive than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would think too. Uh, yeah, I, like I would you could put it easy, easily pay two and a half grand here for it. I, I would equivalent. put it in quality uh, the couple of sort of Vintera Fenders that I've played. I would oh, yeah. put it in that sort of similar quality line to the, the Vintera series, which I think is a bit dearer here, a bit more expensive. Slightly, um, yeah. But I think in, in just in sort of feel, I would put it in that sort of category, um, but mm -hmm. different. I mean, it's not like a Fender, but... Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I have to say, I, so when I first got it, right, and I, you can watch the video. There's a, um, I'll, hang on, I'll write it down. I'll put a video to that as well, Fano video. Um, when I first got it, uh, I did the unboxing video, um, uh, and it was genuinely my first impressions and stuff when I, so, I, you know, when I do these unboxing videos, it is genuinely I get it out of the box, and it's the very first time I play it. You get to see it. And I got it out of the box, and I went, oh, this is nice. You know, I quite like it. And then I did the video and I played it and then I took it, um, you know, inside the house and that night I played it a lot. And then I kind of looked at it and went, oh, there's a couple of tweaks I would like to do. Should I leave it or should I take the strings off and, and set it up? And then I kind of ummed and ahed for ages and I went, oh, let's just do it. So I took the strings off. Um, um, I put heavier strings on it, 11s, which is what I put on most of my guitars. Um the neck looked to me like it needs a little bit of a shim because um, all the um, it has uh, like a Strat style trim on it, 
uh, like a vintage strut with the six mounting screws. Um, and it, it looked like all the, the, the six little saddles, they were almost as low as it goes. Mm. And the neck looked like it just needed a little bit of shimming. So I thought, okay, I'll shim the neck. I do that to most of my I'm a jazz master guy. And that's the first thing you do to a jazz master is you shim the neck. So I took the strings off. I shimmed the neck. Uh, I put heavier gauge strings on it. Um, put it all back on. Um, and just all of a sudden it went from a guitar I really liked to a guitar I really liked. Just that made such a massive difference to me. And yeah, cool. genuinely, I have not stopped playing it since it came and since I did that. I have I think in the we did a couple of videos uh, on Tuesday at your place, and I think I played maybe the Ibanez, my Ibanez in one video, and I played the Ormsby, I think, in another video. But that's the only time I've touched another guitar since I got it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I really dig it. I, it's just there's something about it. I just can't put it down. I really, really like it. Yeah, cool. uh, the pickup sound killer too. I dig the, the bridge pickup is a really, really good P90 mm. sound. Yeah. Um, I never had. I, I don't think I've ever had a two P90s guitar like with both pickups. Know. My my um um. Jay Maskis Jazzmaster has Mick Brearley pickups in it, and a bridge pickup is a P90, and a neck pickup is a traditional Jazzmaster pickup. Uh, and I think that's the only, I think that's the only guitar I have that has a P90 in it. Um, so this is the, my first two P90s guitar, and I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. Yeah, they record really well for rock stuff with a bit of grunge. On it. Yeah. They just have that really yeah. nice mid range. Mm. Yep. And from some P90s, I've heard. Some have almost too much of that mid-range, but your Larivay I think is killer, and I think this one as well. It just has the right amount. They're not too harsh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not too pokey. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's, so I'm I'm a big fan. Guitar. Big fan. And the only thing. Okay. So this is the funny thing. So the only thing is I because I'm I'm not a Strat guy. If anyone listens to the podcast or watches the show, I don't. I'm not into Strats. And when I first got it, um. So the the the, the strat, strat trim was the the three springs in the back were screwed in quite a lot, so it was really kind of flat on the body, and it was quite hard to move the trim. It, I think it was set up so it it's almost more like a hardtail bridge. And I thought, oh, should I kind of set it up and you know have it a bit more floaty? And so I tried it, and it just kept going out of tune. And then I thought, oh, maybe I'll I'll file back the nut a little bit, and which that's the only thing maybe I would change. I think it's a plastic nut. Um, I would maybe put like a graph tech or something like that not there. But anyway, so filed it back a little bit to make sure there's no um, edges. I put a little bit of graphite in it. Still kept going out of tune and I kind of went, oh. But, you know, maybe I just don't know how to set up um, strat bridges because I never play strats. And then I found this really old video that looks like it's filmed on like it was in VHS or something and put onto YouTube. <laughs> like really old. Retro. Of this Italian dude um who talks about how to set up a strat bridge so you can and he, he kind of has this he said, this is just the standard the Stratocaster, you know? And he he does his dive bombs and pulls up on it and and then you know he has a tuner right there and it's perfectly in tune. And he goes, this is any guitar with these with this tremolo system can play like this. And I went, okay, intriguing. And I watched the video and it's so stupidly simple. <laughs> yeah. I might do, a, we, we should do a video on that. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. How to do it. It is so, and it's insane. It's now you can really go crazy on a tremba and it stays in tune. And it's the simplest, dumbest thing ever. <laughs> and it works so well. I, ne- I would have never thought of it. Uh, we might do a video of it. But yeah, if you go and search for an Italian guy, a really old looking video of an Italian guy. He did a couple of videos. He did a video with the six screw trem. He did one with the two point trem, the more newer trems mm-hmm. on a Strat. And he did one how to set up everything. And he did a bunch of different videos, but it looked really, really old. They looked like they were filmed on a VHS camera and then put from that onto, onto YouTube. But yeah, uh, now it stays perfectly in tune and it's, I literally can't put that guitar down. So yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan. That's cool. I would really like to maybe I, I, I'll, I'll see if I can talk to the awesome people at Fano and maybe I'll get them to send me another one somehow um, or maybe we can work out some sort of a deal because I'd really love to try out either the um, the Starcaster kind of one or the yeah. Jazzmaster kind of one. Um, yeah, you, n- you need both. more Jazzmasters. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> this leads us straight into the next topic. <laughs> On the topic, but the next thing that arrived, which uh, is, uh, I think, what should be a new murder weapon in Cluedo. (laughs) (laughs) Cluedo. You know, I think Alex did it in the uh, auditorium with the aluminium guitar neck. (laughs) Um, So uh, I saw, uh, I watched a few videos of 42 Gear Street 2. Um, which you should all do as well, um, with you know a little, a few, te- uh, you know, one or two tears coming out as I'm watching it because we were meant to be there, but because of COVID, we couldn't be there. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> but anyway, you know, supporting the channels and uh, watched a few videos, and you know, Andy Guitar Geek did some killer videos, and I'm a massive, a massive fan of Jackson that dip switch demos uh he does if you haven't mm. checked out his channel go and check him out he's really really good i think and a few other guys that i never heard of before that have big channels and that are really really good anyway uh in a couple of videos uh there were in the either in the background or were being used guitars that looked like jazz masters with an aluminium neck and i kind of went oh that's interesting and then i think it was in one of andy guitar geek andy's videos where he talked about this guy dirk baguli um who makes these aluminium necks, who was there. And I was intrigued and I thought an aluminium neck is something I've been kind of, um, it's been always in the back of my head kind of, that would be interesting to do, but they're hard to get. You know, it's not something that everyone kind of makes, you know, they're they're not something easy to get by. And so anyway, so I I saw that this guy, Dirk Baguli, is there from Baguli Guitars and I contacted him and I said, you know what, I'd be really interested in trying out one of those necks and we worked out a a bit of a deal and he sent me one, um, which I have in my hands right now and it's so cool. (laughs) It literally is. The only thing that's weird, like for example, I just picked it up for the first time today. It's, It's quarter to 11 in the morning, so... We in Australia, it's not necessarily cold, but it's not really a hot day. This feels almost like it came out of the fridge. Yeah, sure. It's yep. cold. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes once I attach it to a body. But um, I have a question. Yeah. Are the necks, uh, sorry, are the frets like put in like normal frets or are they machined into the neck? Apparently, it's a massively 
huge pain in the butt job to do. So they're put in. So you can see there are... So like normal fret actually, wire. Sorry? Like normal fret wire. I, it looks to me like normal yeah, wow. fret wire put in because there's little slots there. I haven't seen um, it And I think yet. from what he was saying is it's a massive... That's the hardest part of the whole thing is the... Yeah, right. Cause, so the, the neck, it's, it looks like it's cut out of one piece of aluminium. Mm. So it's it's machined out of one. The, I really dig the headstock, actually, the look of it. It's sort of a bit of a Starcaster-ish kind of headstock, but it's sort of got this hole in the middle. Again, I'll put a link... Um, I'll put a link to Baguli Guitars in the show notes. I, I, I've started being smart now, and I write down when I say I'm going to put a link into something. Or just, I, just so now? I, I actually remember it. Um... um, um Yes, so it's it's a cool look neck. So, um, and but it, yeah, it's cold and it feels a bit weird. But it'll be interesting to see. And um, all, everyone that I talked to about it, I, I had a quick chat to um, Jackson from Deep Switch Demos about it, and he said he'll be very interesting to see what I think of it because the best way for him to describe how it felt playing those guitars, it it sounded almost like a piano, not a guitar. Yeah, right. That's sort of how he described it with the aluminium neck. Anyway, so I've got this neck, and um, so I started talking to our friend David at Vander Guitars in Melbourne, and he's going to build me, uh, he's going to make me a uh, a roasted ash uh, jazz master body. Fancy. Because uh, I need another jazz master. Um, he's going to make me that, uh, and it's going to go on that. Um, and I've been using the Descendant Vibrato in my blue... Jazzmasters, if you watch our videos, I don't know, from the last couple of months, uh, and you see me play the blue Jazzmaster that has a, uh, originally had a Mastery Bridge uh, vibrato on it, and I took the Mastery vibrato off, the Mastery Bridge is still on it, I took the Mastery vibrato off and put the Descendant vibrato on it, um, and it had a few issues fitting because I, when I originally put the Mastery vibrato in it, I didn't put it in the right place, so the screw holes were in the wrong spot, anyway, long story. So I'm going to put the mastery vibrato back into the blue guitar, and this guitar is going to get the descendant vibrato, mm-hmm. um, and um, and a mastery bridge. I'm going to get, and I'm going to get a, f- uh, a f- oh god, I forgot his name uh, in South Australia who did uh, the aluminium, uh, the anodized pickguard. Um, oh yeah, sure. For me, he's going to make me a pickguard as well, another alumi- uh, anodized pickguard. And um, I watched a video um, by... Oh, what, co- um, what color? The body. Oh, the pickguard. The pickguard, uh, probably black. Cause, yeah. so, okay, so the, the way I was thinking, so you've got that, it's, uh, uh, you can choose with, uh, um, with the aluminum necks, you can, you can choose whether you want it polished, so shiny, or matte. And I thought, I'd rather maybe go matte. I polish it? <laughs> No, but you know, like so it's it's a, it's smooth and shiny, sure, yeah, or more or a matte, and he sort of he sort of likened it to the finish as being the the polished finish is almost like a lacquered neck, mm-hmm. the the matte finish is almost like a like an oiled or um, uh, with no finish on it neck, and it feels to me like a um, like an oiled again similar to the Fano and the um, J Maskey's neck. It has a similar feel to it, just cold um <laughs> yeah, yeah um, right. so i thought you know having the, the kind of matte neck 
um, the body. I, I talked to Matt at uh, Matt. I talked to David at Vander Guitars, and I sort of said, "Oh, can you do matte finishes?" And he sort of said, "Oh, he doesn't really have the facilities to do matte finishes." Uh, and then I said, "Oh, what about like a really dark wood that's almost like a grayish sort of dark wood? You know, like a, that gray brown, like some of these woods are." Mm. And he goes, "Oh, you know what?" And he sent me a picture of. Uh, of this roasted ash, <clears throat> and he said, oh, do, you, that, "Do you have a picture there? Because you're uh, telling me about it, but I haven't." He sent me a picture. Well, uh, yeah, probably. He sent me a picture of just uh, like what the timber looks like. Yeah, yeah. I'll see if I can find it. It's in in our messenger thing. So, um, I know, no, I know. With when you have roasted maple for necks, it kind of goes like more of a honey color, but ash is different. So yeah, ash is different. So hang on, let's see if I can find. This is the closest. That's the picture he sent me. Yeah. So it's, it turns into this sort of... Um, Is it more silvery? Well, I think it's just a reflection of the light. But yeah, it's sort of like a grey, silver, brown. Okay. I think it looks really cool. I think the bottom is just... It looks silvery because it's a ref reflection of the light. Okay. Um, um, and he said, so if he just does an, an oiled finish on that, it'll be a matte finish. And um, I said, oh, cool. So... It'll have the it'll be the sort of the aluminium neck with a dark wooden finish, so you have kind of the contrast. And then I thought, um, should I get um, what should I get for the pick guard and the pickups and stuff? And I thought maybe getting kind of more shiny, chromey pickups, and again a more matte pick guard would kind of look good, just to contrast it. So I was thinking, mm. I was thinking for a while, should I get like a almost like a um, you know, like that brushed steel kind of looking like fridges and stuff. Uh, that kind yeah. of dark gray silvery kind of. Maybe I should get a pick guard like that. And uh, But then I thought, no, I think it would look good. I quite like that um, black anodized because um, it's kind of a matte um, pick guard. And yeah. then I saw um, um, uh, a mic from Pusheen. I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Pusheen? Pusheen? I don't know. P U I Sheen. Um, Pusheen? Pew Pew Sheen. Pusheen? Um, Pusheen? I don't know. Um, but Mike, who I've sort of befriended um, uh, recently, actually go and check out his channel. I'll put a link to his channel. Oh, God, I write too much stuff to write down. Um, I'll put a link to his channel in the in show notes. Um, he did a video recently. Uh, he's, a, he's a big jazz master guy. Uh, and it was just one of those things where, where we were on a on a live stream with sixty cycle hum together at one stage, and this we have there's a lot of similarities in guitar players we like, in guitars we like, in music we like. Anyway, um, he did a video, and you can go and check it out. So I'll put that video in the link below where he got some uh, pick up some Curtis Novak pickups. He got some like a gold foil pickup or mm -hmm. a set of gold foil pickups, and he got these Thunderbird pickups. So, which apparently they're out of Thunderbird basses, Gibson Thunderbird basses, but they sound really good on guitar too. And they're these sort of big oversized um, metal pickups. They almost look like a, not quite the same size, but like a phone, you know, that sort of shape, like an iPhone. Yeah, right. Rectangle. But, um, but um, um, all silver. So there, there's no... You know, there's no screws in it for like the pickup poles. It's just a uh, sure, silver yeah. thing, but this, but it's oversized. It's bigger than even a Jazzmaster pickup, and um, it sounded really, really cool in the demo. 
uh, those pickups. Mm-hmm. And I messaged him and I said, oh, they look, they sound cool. And he goes, yeah, they absolutely blew them away when they came because they're bass pickups. But um, Curtis Novak has been putting them in guitars and <clears throat> they sound really, really cool. And I said, to, I asked Mike if he had any experience with aluminium necks and how they would work together. And he goes, don't know, but it sounds like a cool combination. So I emailed Curtis Novak. I haven't heard back from him yet, but I would li- really like to put those pickups uh, in there because they're these sort of chromey, shiny pickups than having a matte uh, black pickguard, the matte kind of grey brown wood, and then the aluminium neck. I think that would look really cool. So that's that's the, a new mm. guitar that's coming soon, um, or whenever it'll come. Um, which could be kind of interesting. <clears throat> yeah, nice. And, and it, it'll be a new Jazzmaster. Speaking of Jazzmasters. Um, <laughs> what else time. is new? Uh, what else did we do? So we did... Um, oh, um, have we talked about... Have we talked... No, we haven't really. Have we? Or have we talked about the Dan Electro 3699 fuzz? I think we may have. Because we had to reshoot that video. We reshot it this week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we a few people have asked about a shootout um, with the Fox Tone Foxy Tone Machine. Yeah, uh, for more audio, which is definitely coming up. I actually yeah. just emailed again, uh, also the Australian distributor for Orange amps and pedals, because mm, um, they do a, um, a pedal called the Orange Fur Coat, which is based on the Fox Tone Machine, um, and I asked them if they would maybe want to send us one um, to do a video with and then do a shootout with that as well, um, which could be kind of interesting. So, But just quickly, I don't know if we talked about it before or not, but just quickly, the, the whole Fox Tone Machine, uh, Fox, the warm, warm Audio one and the Dan Electra one, what were your thoughts on them? How did you like them? Yeah, they're fun, fun fuzzes. I dig them yeah. a lot. I dig them a lot. Oh, sorry, just my foot's gone to sleep. Nothing to do oh, with fuzz. Good. Tingly. Yeah, they're cool. Hey, and especially with the um, Dan Electro one having the octave on on the foot switch. And that mid boost. Yeah, the mid's fun, especially on um, a band situation with the crazy drummers. And I guess it lends itself to kind of stoner rocky or blues rock kind of stuff. So there's going to be some enthusiastic drumming at some point in those worlds. (laughs) So (laughs) having some mid range to cut through. Stupidly loud symbols, it's gonna be really cool, yeah. yeah. And even just well, um, by itself, it's cool tones. Well, I, I emailed the guys from Dan Electro Australia and I said I may not be able to send the 3699 fuzz back. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are we going to do about this? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I really am thinking the, the, the warm audio one because it looks so awesome and sounds so awesome. Mm. That's a studio tool, I wouldn't want to take that out to gig, but I think. Um, I've had the Fuzz Factory on my pedal board forever and I love the Fuzz Factory. But I thought maybe to do something different, do something new, if I can somehow work out to get that 3699 Fuzz, that may be a Fuzz to go on my pedal board. Not that I ever use a pedal board now because I don't do any band gigs, but um, once I may do band gigs again down the track, um, I think it would be cool to have that on the board. I actually, actually today, yesterday uh, when I went teaching... Um, at Music at Noosa, um, they got a bunch of um, small or medium-sized pedal boards, I think rock boards maybe? Oh, yeah. Um, they got rock a bunch men? of them in. Or, no, I think they, they got rock board. 
Are they the Warwick ones or something? Yeah, possibly. Um, hang on, Rockboard? Something like that. I think they're called Rockboard. They should be Warwick Rockboard. Rockboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they come in like a um, mono bag style carry case. Yeah, cool. And I, um, I actually I just sold a few pedals through the music shop, so I have, have some credit there. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, oh, maybe, because I've got my big, massive pedal board and I was t- thinking about taking it apart and making it smaller, but I actually thought now maybe the big, massive pedal board, because um, I did, I moved a few things around um, here in, in the studio and I've got actually quite a lot of room there under the desk. And I thought maybe the big, massive pedal board, I'll put it under the desk here as a, um, as a pedal board to use in the studio here kind of thing. Yeah, cool. And then I thought maybe I'll do I'll I'll because I've got all this credit at the moment at the music shop. I might get one of those smaller rock boards, mm-hmm. and I might do a video of it as well and put together a smaller gigging board. Because um, then you know I'll, I'll carry the either the the Rev uh, D twenty. Oh, actually, uh, this is kind of going back to when I was mentioning that I talked to the guys from Angle. We might actually be getting a different Angle amp to the one we originally were meant to get now. Right. Because I kind of said I wanted a different one. Well, I said I'm interested in a different one that's not actually out yet. Um, and they go, oh, well, why don't we just send you that one then? So that could become a gigging amp. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, you know, carrying a, a, a either the Rev D20 or maybe that angle amp, which you can plug directly into the PA in one hand because that's tiny and light, and in the other hand a little rock board and guitars on my back, uh, that would yeah. be... You know, trip. I'm old now. I don't need to carry stuff. That would mm. be fantastic. Um, yeah, like um, with with the wedding gigs with Greg, with the acoustic duo stuff, I've got it down to a gig bag, which has pockets with cables and a microphone and stuff. So it's that on my back and a mic stand. And I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well with, so when, I, when I do, I mean, when I do my own gigs, I've got to lug my own PA. But when I do gigs with Greg, um, although he usually asks me to bring a fallback too. So it oh, is, yeah? It, it's, yeah, on a trolley. Yeah, he usually suck, asks suck me to bring one, yeah. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, it's just my acoustic guitar. It's my pedal board, um, which has all my cables and stuff in it because there's enough mm. space for that. Um, and then it's usually the bag with the guitar stand and a mic stand. Mm, um, cool. So I love that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. So so that, that I might do a video of that. I might put together a smaller, kind of like Chris Palmer having the big board and the smaller gigging board, the, the yeah. mothership and the part, the little one. Baby ship. Uh, have you seen? Did you see that picture? And he just posted another picture. He was doing, I think he was recording, uh, doing a live set at Scott Watman's mm. the recording room. Did you yeah, see that picture? I, I commented on, on Insta Google, Instagram. Okay. And did you see in the back, because he's using that comment amp, which yeah. you can run in stereo, the, the speakers, you can run them in stereo. Mm. And he had the um, the Roland Dimension rack mount. Oh, did you see that? No, yeah, it's, I, it was I, sitting next to it was sitting next to the head in the back. So he lugs the an, an actual old. Is it Dimension D? Is that what it's called? The actual original Roland one. D or C, some number like that. I'm pretty sure it's a Dimension D. That's what the original was called. The, the yeah Dimension D SDD three twenty. Yeah. So he has one of those, um, which they're not cheap, but he uses them for life, for life gig now. <laughs> Yeah, um, and he had, and he. I guess he to get that stereo spread because he's the amp and cabinet are stereo, so he can run it in stereo. Mm. Um, yeah, I noticed crazy the um, cab, cab had three mics on it. I think 
something like that. Yeah, because I think it's you can run it as a wet, dry, wet. Mm. The yeah, one cab. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's just for me. That's just too much work. But <laughs> <laughs> I I just bring a head that has a built-in load box and built-in two-notes torpedo stuff going straight into the PA to Lumi. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so there, there might be a video of me doing I, I might do that just putting together a small board and um, uh, might put that um, down electric thing on it. What else did we do? Just quickly, um, what other videos did we do? Um, oh, the synth? Oh, the, the SY1. Boss, yeah, what were your thoughts synth. on that? Yeah, it's fun. I was actually going to say um, maybe we should not send that back because I might need it for a baseboard. Ah, okay. Well, I'll see. Need I'll see. It, I'll need it being the four-letter optimal word. My people will talk <laughs> to their people and then see what happens. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Especially on bass, it gets that kind of squelchy, ducky thing, like wow, wow. You know that kind of. I, I won't sing it. But, you know, <laughs> you don't want to talk it's, about the yeah, yeah, funky sort of envelopey openness. That's that's where's. To describe things right, <laughs> absolutely. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not good at wordsing. I can't wordsify. Uh, wordsify, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to, uh, I'll talk to um, Ed uh, from Roland about that. See what we, so see what we can do. Um, yes. yeah. What else did we do? Oh, um, did I talk about? Oh yeah, did talk about Guitar Rig Six already. Which there'll be more stuff coming out sooner or later. But um, yeah. I haven't had a chance to get around to it yet. Oh, heads up! Um, if you want, if you want to get Guitar Rig Six, you have to have a newer computer than mine. Well, you have to, I think, have at least Mojave operating mm. system on on the Mac. So if you got um, Mojave, you sweet Mojave, Mojave, mate. Mojave. Because um, you still <laughs> got Sierra or something, or High Sierra, one of those. Um, one of them. Let me have a look about this Mac. Oh, I'm running Flintstones here. Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Oh, Sierra. The old yeah. Flintstones. Sierra. So if you have Sierra, not not so good. It doesn't work. Uh, um, which is a bummer because yeah. a whole bunch of the other stuff from the 13, um, complete 13, works fine. Just yeah. not guitar rig. Because I think it may be a 64-bit thing. It's probably more bits than whatever... Flintstones thing I have, but we'll thing is, Flintstone, yeah. I'm kind of holding out for a new computer until they have these new ARM processors. That's my theory. Next year, yeah, which will come yeah. out next year most likely, which meant, so. meant to be well, apparently cheaper. Air quotation marks cheaper. And yeah. uh, <laughs> um, um, oh, sp speaking of at Mac stuff, did you, I don't know if you saw it, but there's this guy who's actually a sound guy, but he lives in Victoria, but is Aaron. Aaron Solomon's cousin. Okay. Who I found about six degree, yeah, one degree of separation. Anyway, so yeah. he put on Facebook a screenshot of if you get the new, what is it, iMac Pro or Mac Pro or one of the models, if yeah. you spec out everything to max, <laughs> do you know how much they cost? Oh, like, it'd be like 20 grand or something. Like that. <clears throat> 84. 84. Okay. Well, even more, yeah. Yes. <laughs> how crazy yeah, that must be that? the. That must be the new, um, yeah, the, the Mac Pro, which Henning just got. Mm. Yeah, right. I wonder if he spec'd yeah. it out to every God, detail. Nice. But I mean, it's it's ridiculous what you can do with that. It's like I don't oh, know, yeah. I don't know how Quite many NASA. terabytes of RAM, you know, not just gigabytes of RAM, but terabytes of RAM, and yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous what you can do with it. But in saying that, I mean, 
it's my iMac is a few years old now, but that was before the iMac Pro came out. Actually, I got my iMac. And when I got my iMac, I specced it as high as you can possibly spec it. And I wish I could have spec'd it higher because especially video editing. Yeah, video is different. The amount, of, the amount of sitting around and waiting for the computer to do what you asked it to do, you got to do. I mean, that's the thing. I spent, there's literally entire days I spent in here in this room editing videos. And if mm. the computer would actually keep up with what I'm doing, I could maybe do four videos in a day, but because the computer can't keep up with what I'm doing and I've got to wait for it to render stuff until I can actually see what it looks like, quite often I sit here and I wait, I don't know, 20 minutes until it finally did it. Then I can watch it and go, ah, no, that's not good. Redo it. <laughs> and I've got to wait another 20 minutes. So, you know, it's it's one of those things, I mean, that that we we're, we're not getting anywhere near enough money <laughs> on this on this with this YouTube channel yeah. to for me to warrant doing anything like this. But I mean, yeah. if I was to go full time, like guys like Henning and and you know people like that, in in doing YouTube full time as a job, you would have to. You, you I mean, yeah, either do the life switching thing, or you would have to get you'd have to update because. Just the amount of sitting around up. and waiting you do. Yeah. Because um, video editing is very, 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 especially when you're idiots like I, like we are, well, I am mainly, and you do everything in 4K, um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. She hungry. And I mean, you, you're looking at um, the, the, the finished rendered videos, you know, that I upload are like 12, 15 gig- gigabytes. That's the finished rendered videos. That's, you know, three camera, two, three cameras edited to one. Now, imagine the actual raw file in, in Final Cut. That's two or three cameras. Each of them, the, the file is like 10, 15 gigabytes, plus then all the stuff you put on top of it. So the actual raw files that are sitting in Final Cut, um, I don't know, are like 50, 60, 70, 80 gigabytes big. That's just one video, you know, and then you try and edit three or four of them in a row. You know, you're looking into hundreds of gigabytes of video for, you know, mm. of files that the computer's handling. So um, I know a lot of people out there um, think, you know, oh, you guys just sit around on YouTube and people send you stuff and you get all this cool money from ad revenue. And But, I mean, the amount of money, A, you have to invest in this to begin with, I mean, the thousands of dollars on camera gear, on computer gear, uh, on editing gear, then the hours you have to invest in learning how to use all this crap. Um, I mean, I am way, 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 way below even American minimum wage, <laughs> what I'm making yeah. here for this YouTube channel. But, uh, you know, so... Um, yeah, I always love it when you get these comments saying, oh, man, you guys are just sitting there playing some guitar and filming it and, you know, and raking in the cash, man. We're not. And we, if it's only the sitting there and making the videos, that's, for me anyway, that's about a sixth or seventh of what actually goes into making this, these videos. But anyway, 
different story. Uh, and we've gone quite long now. Was there anything else we did recently that's interesting or anything that's arrived? Uh, I should quickly mention there will be, uh, I talked to the guys at Arturia and they've given me a couple of their um, plugins to do videos with as well. So there'll be some Arturia videos coming up um, for more plugin stuff. Eventually, I'll get around at reshooting um, some of the Amplitude videos. I've tried it a few times now, but Amplitude must be fairly CPU intensive because the problem with doing these um, software videos is you have to use, do some sort of a screen grab. And I guess if the CPU, if the, the plugin you use or the software you use is quite CPU intensive, it messes with the screen grab. Uh, and what happens is, um, I mean, that's, a, that's another whole nother topic for very nerdy tech talk. But when you have different cameras recording at different frame rates, what happens is it's like, for example, when you record um, anyone out there who can do this, record a click track or record like a beat at uh, 44.1 kilohertz sampling rate on your DAW of choice in Logic or wherever, then switch to 48 and record exactly that same click track and then play them next to each other. And you'll see they're actually out of sync. They're not in time with each other. Uh, if you play them in a one file, in the same file, like if you put them both in one um, uh, um, Logic or Pro Tools file or whatever it is, and you import the the one click track and you import the other one, they'll actually be out of sync with each other. It's the same with cameras. If you record stuff on cameras with different frame rates, they'll actually be out of sync with each other. Now, the problem is, and this is very nerdy talk, and I know no one cares, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's my podcast. When you record screen grab stuff, so you record what's on your screen, I guess when whatever you're using on it uses a lot of the CPU it actually slows down the frame rate of what it records, what the, the, what the screen grab records. So you end up, um, you, you, you watch what's on the screen and the actual audio you hear that it was recorded on the screen and the picture is out of sync because it keeps going in and out of different frame rates. So it's, you, it's very hard to sync up what you see, the video with the audio. So, you know, you'd be talking about a program and you go, oh, look at this knob does this. And it actually isn't there <laughs> because the frame rate is different. So it's at a different part in time on the video. Anyway, so it's very difficult to do. So that's why I've actually three times now I've tried to film Amplitude videos and they never worked. And it's just too much work to sit there and go through it frame by frame and line things up. It just takes, I, I don't have the time to do that. So I'm going to see if there's other ways to do it. Might have to record it's a massive the pain. audio on a laptop or something else. Yeah, well, I was thinking maybe recording the audio on the like I do on the H6. Yeah, do that. Um, and seeing if it if that does anything, I don't know. Um, but then the problem is some of them are plugins, plugins that are in Logic. So then it's you have Logic open anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then does know. it really take up that much more CPU to press record? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. And then I'd have to somehow route the signal out of logic, out of the interface going into the H6 and make sure it all records it. And I, I don't know. We'll see what I do. 
Um, <laughs> okay. But I'll try. I'll try it out. I'll. But it's been a pain. That's why there haven't been any Amplitude videos because that's actually one of our most watched videos in ages. <clears throat> it's the Amplitude, the free Amplitude stuff video that I did. Um, and I really would like to do more Amplitude videos, but it's just the amount of hair pulling out that I've been doing with that. It's just not worthwhile doing it. Um, anyway, uh, that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Almost an hour and a half later. So this is a long podcast, lots of talking, um, even about Mary Poppins and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, why not? Uh, so, and I should have mentioned this at the start, uh, take a photo of whatever it is you're looking at while you're listening to this podcast and send it to us. Either uh, email it to us, superfunawesomehappytime at gmail.com or go to any of our social medias. There's a link tree link in the description below. Um, you can click on that and it takes you to any of our social medias and send us a picture uh, through that uh, or even just say hello. Uh, <laughs> and there's, I, I got, from last time, I got a lot of um, lot of people saying, Alex is always wrong and Eddie's king. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of those messages. Because <laughs> that was last time. So what should we say this time? Um, hmm. uh, just say Mary Poppins. There you go. Mary Poppins is the word. If you made it all the way to the end, Send us a message saying Mary Poppins and I'll send you a cookie emoji back. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. Yay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'm not quite sure why you listen to this, but thank you so much. Uh, and <laughs> thanks, Alex. Thanks, folks, for hanging. We'll, um, uh, see you all next time. Episode 101, yeah. yeah. See you in it's episode been, 102. It's been real. Maybe we'll actually have a guest eventually if I can get myself organized to organize someone yes. anyway Get some bye everyone see ya bye